coming up. If you get fired in 2024, it may not be actually a bad thing. We'll break that down. And then, are friends really all that important? We'll look at that in the context of work, and I'm going to coach you up. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you can win in other areas of your life. I'm here to help you see and reach your potential. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Colvin Show. Let's go. Uh, show, you know, people wringing their hands all the time as we move into a new year. Uh, people thinking about moving on. People worried about getting fired. And, you know, YouTube is always looking at these videos. You know, what do I do if I get fired? Am I going to get fired? Am I going to get laid off? And all these things. And 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 I will tell you that in, in full recognition that getting laid off or fired is the same emotional experience as losing a loved one. It's a serious thing. It hurts. It sucks. It's awful. But it's not the end of the world. It's not a career killer. As long as you know the right way to react and respond to it. But there's always a temptation to let the setbacks of life, getting fired, getting laid off, define your value, define your talent, define what you think about. It shakes us up so much. It's such a earth-shattering shock to the system that it can shake the foundation of everything that we know about ourselves. But you have to make a conscious decision not to fall into that trap. The challenges and adversity don't get to define you. They certainly will refine you. There's just no question about that. It's like being thrown into the fire. And that's going to to shape you. But it doesn't mean that it defines you long term. So in those low moments, and, and let's just be very clear, these are low moments. You've got to choose to believe that you're worth more than what the circumstances surrounding your situation have said that you are or make you feel that you're a certain way. If you do that, I've got great news for you. Your best days will always be ahead of you, and I can prove it. So it's one thing for me to talk about this. It's another thing for me to show you. Let's look at three successful people wildly successful people that did not let getting fired ultimately define them. First, Thomas Edison, one of the greatest minds the world's ever known, the great American inventor, fired multiple times. Uh, the, the big one was from his job as a telegraph operator at Western Union. He had requested night shifts so that he could read and work on experiments. So one night, In 1867, he's working with a battery when he spilled sulfuric acid onto the floor. It ran between the floorboards and onto his boss's desk below. Boss wasn't happy about it. Not interested in the story. You're fired. You're gone. Clean out your desk and take your sulfuric acid with you. The next story is Anna Wintour, famed editor of American's excuse me, of the American magazine Vogue, and uh, one of the biggest names in fashion, a true tastemaker. In 1975, she's working at Harper's Bazaar as a junior fashion editor, but she was fired after nine months on the job because her shoots were called too edgy. So she was rocking the boat a little too much, a little outside of the box, if you will. The third example, Walt Disney. In 1919, Walt was fired from his job as a cartoonist at the Kansas City Star, the local newspaper. 
and you, and this is this is the kind of stuff that it, I I hope you really lock on to. This is what the editor said about Walt Disney. He said he lacked imagination, had no good ideas. No. You you kind of want to react to this and you want to say, "Okay, what an idiot editor." Well, maybe he wasn't that creative at the time. We don't know. We weren't there. I don't share those stories to demonize the leaders who laid off or fired those famous people. That's really of no consequence to this lesson. I share their stories for you to see them as somebody like you. In other words, instead of demonizing their leader, I'm humanizing them. I was fired or laid off twice. One time was a a corporate acquisition. I was a part of a balance sheet. I was a part of an executive team. They had their own executive team, and they didn't need us anymore, and so we were kindly told, hey, we don't need you anymore. And then once I was fired, a disagreement between me and my leader, didn't see things eye to eye. There was no big blow up. There was no you know, uh, lobbying of insults and anger, but just didn't see eye to eye. And he surprised me one day and said, you're gone in the middle of the day. It's terrifying. It's awful. Shakes you. But getting fired didn't make Edison, Winter, or Disney, or me damage goods. If anything, it made us more valuable. It reveals grit. It reveals conviction. Many times, it takes what was a cloudy situation, and because of the extreme nature of clarity of you're not here anymore, you're done here, what it does is provide tremendous clarity about the future. And in all three of those cases, it revealed to them what it was they really wanted to focus on, why they wanted to focus on it. Anna Winter didn't become less edgy. Walt Disney didn't become less creative. Thomas Edison didn't stop tinkering with batteries and everything else. They kept moving forward. So you can't let a setback, like getting fired or laid off, Put a permanent lid on your potential. I want you to think for a moment of why we put lids on things. I've got a tumbler here. You can think of a pot of it. What do we do? We, we put lids on things to contain. Simply put, at, at, its, at its base usage, lids are designed to contain, to keep something in the container, right? And the lid keeps it from getting out. The lid keeps it from moving. So so if you think about a lid, it is one of the most limiting concepts, limiting ideas that a person can, can experience. By the way, a lid is so limiting to the human spirit because it essentially says you cannot move forward. You cannot get out. And if you think of the human spirit at its core, it is a longing for freedom. Live the way I want to live. Root for who I want to root for. Listen to the kind of music I want to listen to. Believe in what I want to believe in. Love who I want to love. You know, whatever. The, the individual spirit, the soul of a human longs to be free to make their own decisions, to live how they want to live. That's, that's at the core. I don't care where you're from in the world. 
It doesn't matter where you were born. Uh, politics doesn't matter. None of that matters. Faith is a listen. You get you give me an atheist and you give me a devout Christian side by side. They both long to be free. This is the great unifier of all human beings. This desire to be free. And so a lid, this idea of a container, can absolutely crush the soul. Well, why am I focusing on this? Because if you get fired in the future, and you might, or if you get laid off in the future, and you probably will, you might, if you have been laid off recently, here's the whole point of this lesson. You cannot control many times those decisions. Maybe you did something you shouldn't have done, whatever. The point is, the leader of the organization decided to lay you off or to fire you. You cannot control that. So the, this idea of the lid, the person who fired us or the person who laid us off actually didn't put the lid on us. How we react to getting fired, to being laid off, that puts the lid on us. In other words, we are our own lid if we're not very, very careful. So uh, practically speaking, just to land the plane on this, uh, if this has happened to you recently or if it does happen to you, just as the flight attendants kind of tell us, hey, here's what we do in the case of emergency on a plane, let me just give you a very simple process. I think your first 72 hours, the first those first three days, really, really important. Make sure that you surround yourself by people that love you and care for you and just feel safe. Get it all out. Get all the feelings, the anger, the hurt. Get it all out. Day two, have some fun. Do something fun. Enjoy life. Get yourself reset that, hey, life isn't as bad as I thought it was. Then the day three, tell everybody you know and that you're ready to get back in the game. And you're going to be okay. This is The Ken Coleman Show. We'll be right back. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer, $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. All right, so we spend more time at work than we do anything else in our life, right? Most of us. And and the idea of doing work that's not meaningful to you is soul-crushing, but then the idea of doing it in isolation is even more soul-crushing. And yet there's this segment of people, and, and again, you don't want to get too hung up on things on social media, but there's a segment of people that 
are, are proudly brandishing the idea, talking about the idea that I don't want to have any friends at work. I want to come in. I want to do my gig, and I want to go home. And that sounds very pure and, and uh, oh, yeah, good focus. But it just doesn't make any sense. You are isolating yourself, and the data says that's not a good idea. Uh, but before I share the data, there's a fairly viral video the guys brought to me, the team brought to me, um, of a guy talking about this very thing. So uh, we're going to watch this, and uh, I may interrupt it here and, and comment on it. So here's a guy uh, waxing on uh, about uh, friends at work, isolation, introversion, all the kind of things. Let's roll it. You know what I've noticed is that the older I get, the more introverted I become. I've always been kind of an introvert. I went out a bit. I had a couple friends that I would hang out with and we would go to the bars and stuff like that. But man, I spent a whole bunch of time playing video games. Like online gaming became a thing and I got really into that. As I got older, the online play became a little less. The outings with friends happened a little less, right? Because when you're in your mid 20s like people have time then when you start getting closer to 30 you hang out with people less usually you have a family which occupies a lot of your time you focus on that and you stop hanging out with your friends as much and then if you don't have a family most of your friends at this age at, in your mid to late 30s do have families so they don't have time for you and if you do have a family you don't have time for them and then your time becomes so much more valuable and your time become so much more limited and then you really start to pick and choose where you want to spend it and I'm at a point in my life where I don't care to have friends and it's weird because my wife is the complete opposite she okay now this is interesting for two reasons one um I don't really believe that he believes that about himself that he wants no friends at all what I think is he doesn't want to go through the effort of being friendly because in order to have friends you must be a friend that's what I think. I think this ultimately comes down to uh, there are some preferences that are based on some fears, um, and I think there's there, this is unhealthy. Here's what's interesting. His wife's the complete opposite. She craves friendships. And so what's going to happen is here, this could become very imbalanced when the wife has friends outside of the marriage and presumably thriving, and he gets even more and more isolated but he calls it introversion. And I think that's a little bit of a cop-out. He just has a huge circle of friends. She stays in touch with everyone. I'll tell you what, it's overrated. It's overrated. It's overrated. I see my wife always just in shambles trying to maintain connections and remember who she needs to call and whose birthday is when and like all that stuff. I don't want to do that. And I know some people are like, relationships are the most important thing. Friendships are the most important thing. You don't want to die old and alone and by yourself. You should spend time with your friends and family as much as you can. And I, I agree with that. I wanted to make this video because I think it's okay. Like, I don't think it, there's a problem. Okay, so he's a little bit all over the map here. After talking about how he doesn't want to do it, he then says, I agree that having friends is good. So I think it's very important when you watch videos like this, and there's no criticism at all here uh, to this gentleman at all. Uh, but, you know, some of you might feel the the, the natural frustration it, as an introvert. Um large gatherings, you know, sap people. I get that, but you can't make being an introvert an excuse to withdraw because the act of being in relationship and being in friendship does require a two-way street. 
And, and again, I don't, uh, this is not criticism, but this is borderline blatant selfishness. And what I mean by that is he's not being selfish with his friends, but he's, he's so focused and so self-focused here that the very idea of relating with people irritates him. You could see a, a real irritation. I think a lot of people like this guy. And again, he could choose to live his life however, however he wants. I just think if you're going to watch a video like this, you've got to make sure you catch everything he says and not just focus on him poo-pooing, uh, being uh, a friend and having friends. Because he says, in one breath, I don't want to do it. I don't have time for it. I don't need it. But I realize it's good for me. It's like saying, I don't need vegetables in my life. I'm quite fine not eating vegetables. But I know they're good for me. That's essentially what this is. So I don't think it's healthy. He could choose to live however he wants to. Now, let's transfer this conversation now into the workplace. Okay? Um, Gallup. Gold standard when it comes to uh, data and and uh, polls and surveys, and they do a lot of work in the world of work. And um, they recently released an article based on some research. It was entitled "The Increasing Importance of a Best Friend at Work." Best friends at work provide essential social and emotional support. Their study found having a best friend at work uh, ties more strongly to key business outcomes. In other words, better friends at work, better results at work. That's a key takeaway. Um, and 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 the, the big takeaway is that that employees who who essentially were intentional to go, you know what? Sally's my she's my BFF at work, or John's my BFF at work. They 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 were friendly. They are a good friend, and thus they have a good friend. That uh the 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 outcomes uh are fantastic. I want to dive into the outcomes a little bit more. Employees who have a best friend at work. Again, let, let me let me say this. It doesn't mean that your bestie, Sally and John, at work is your bestie in your life. It doesn't mean you have to hang out with them and go on vacation with them because that's the that's the pushback with a lot of people, and I get that. Okay, uh, I don't go on vacation with people that I work with either. Uh, it's not intentional not to, but I get it. You can have separate lives, if you will, but. If you think about the amount of time you spend at work, then you need for your health, the data says, and for your performance, the data says, a best friend at work. Here's some of the outcomes. Employees who have a best friend at work are significantly more likely to engage customers better and internal partners better. They get more done in less time. They support a safe workplace with fewer accidents and reliability concerns. They innovate and share ideas better, and they have more fun while at work. Look, this isn't my opinion. This is the data. And why is this? Well, a person who has a connection, who feels seen and valued and cared for, they're going to be healthier, just mentally and emotionally healthier and they can focus on their job, not all the other crap that happens in life. Listen, you think about during the pandemic and how crazy that was for people when the world changed and rhythms changed and all kinds of things going on. You think about a day 
or maybe something bad has happened at home or the night before your kids melted down, you feel like an awful parent, you come to the office and the last thing you can be thinking about is adding value to a customer or to your teamwork or to your teammates or to your leader. And when you've got that good friend at work who goes, hey, what's going on? I see something's off today. And you're able to sit with them and it's not awkward. It's not weird. And you're able to share your heart with them. And just the idea of getting it off your chest, if you will, and them receiving it and encouraging you and 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 guiding you if 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 they can or just nothing else loving you man that helps that cloud lift so of course you're going to be more engaged you're going to be more productive because you're not as distracted and so that's the value so the takeaway here very simple in order to have good friends you must be a good friend the more interested i am in people the more interested they are in me it's that simple. The more I serve others, the more likely they are to serve me. The more I care for others, the more they are to care for me. It is a reciprocal reality. And having a having a really good friend that you can count on, that they can count on you. Listen, some days for you, some of the best days will be days where you can just step in for one of your friends and serve them. So does it pay to have a good friend at work? It actually does think about it and do something about it this year. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends. Or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out. And it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. If you're enjoying the program, hey, will you help us spread the word? You can do that by liking the videos you're watching on YouTube, subscribing to the channel and sharing, and then uh, via your podcast app, whatever you're listening to or what app you're listening on, give us a follow and a five-star review. All right, time for coaching session. Let's go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Michael is there. Michael, how can I help? Yes, I can. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it, and it's an honor to be speaking with you. Well, the honor's all mine, sir. What's up? Well, um, just to give you a little bit of background, I started working about 36 years ago in the corporate world, primarily in IT and as a project manager eventually, and I got my certification in project management. About 
Three and a half years ago, I took a job with a government agency dealing with aviation because um, I've been involved in aviation uh, as an avocation, and it eventually moved into a vocation. A vocation. Uh, but what I found in the three and a half years that I've been with the government is that there have been a lot of changing priorities. I find that the work is unsustainable, and uh, it's just very difficult and, stru- and stressful to be working in this kind of environment. Fortunately, my manager is a great person that I work with, and he's very understanding of the situation. But I just can't seem to get ahead in all the incoming requests that fall on me. So with that, uh, if I would stick it out for five years, I could get a pension, a small one, albeit. But how do I, I guess the question is, how do I stick it out for another year or so to possibly get the pension and some small benefits while I try to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my career, even though I'm 64 years old, because I definitely want to do something in retirement, I don't want to fully retire, if Got that it. makes any sense. It yeah. does. Okay, so I want to make sure I heard you correctly. So yeah. this is a highly stressful job, but mm-hmm. one more year and you get to retire and you got a good pension. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if I can may just interrupt, I yeah. remember you speaking about stick Yeah. And, you know, I've always used that, that mindset and anything that I've done to try to stick it out as best as I can. But I, the, the stress is unbelievable at times, and I just have to figure out how to handle it to try to get to the finish line. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's see if that mm-hmm. is something we can handle, you know, okay. because the stress, we don't want to take that lightly. That has obviously negative emotional and physical impact on you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you said it, the stress is unbelievable at times, what's yeah. is there a rhythm uh, is there an average, you know, yeah. when, the, when, it, when, it, when we see that stress spike? Yeah. It, it really spikes when I walk in the door and everybody is pouncing on me and saying, hey, Mike, I need you to do this. Hey, Mike, I need you to do that. And I don't even get a chance sometimes even open up my computer and just get acclimated when these things are happening. Like what kind and, of things are we talking about? Uh, you know, documents that need to be signed. Uh, I do a lot of work with uh, air operators, um, charter charter operators. Uh, so I have a lot of responsibility to make sure that things are in place, that the, the paperwork is in place for them to continue to fly. And so I get a lot of requests that come in asking me to do this and do that. But then we also have other things yeah. that are unexpected and then you have to change your hat. You have to put on a different hat. So, and so I, is this yeah. the nature of the industry or the work you're doing, or is this a, a and I guess is is there also a probably a better process for this? There could be a better process for it. Who's in charge Definitely. of that? Oh, much higher up, and and that's that's always been sort of my if I would use the word complaint that. Things don't get smoothed out. First of all, we're very, very short, uh, short staffed, okay. and that's been a that's that's a problem in the indus- industry in right. general and right. aviation. Yeah, yeah. Um, because here's what I'm trying to figure out: is what can we do over the next 12 months to so when you walk in the door and it's just boom, and it's not this yeah. way every day, or or it is. No, not every day. Yeah. So that's the good news. So now I'm going. All right, it's not this way every day. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. 
So what's happening on the days when it is happening? What's causing this? And 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 I almost wonder if you can't if I were sitting in your office right now, my guess is if we were on a whiteboard that you mm-hmm. could solution out the process. You could probably cuz you're the guy who's dealing with it. So my yeah. guess is you would be pretty good at telling me, "Well, Ken, this needs to change and this needs to change." And if that were to happen, um then I would be able to manage the workflow uh, mm-hmm. much with much less stress because there's a process and I'm able to actually work and be intentional as opposed to reaction on everything. Correct. Correct. Okay. And that does make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so you could, we could whiteboard that out, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We definitely could do that. Well, then I think yeah. that's your number one responsibility right now is I, I, I wouldn't necessarily go to leadership right out of the gate because it feels mm-hmm. like you've done that before and it feels yeah. like they're too busy to try to figure it out, but you're actually yeah. the guy on the ground who could figure it out for himself. And mm-hmm. do you think that a, you could lay it out and B just start telling everybody, Hey, look, here's the deal. I know that you need my approval and signature and I'm going to get it to you, but mm-hmm. we've got to change our process so mm-hmm. that I can work efficiently okay. with everything else that I've got to do. So my mm-hmm. so bottom line is, is your emergency can no longer be my emergency. Is kind of the philosophy I'm coming at this with. Yeah, I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But now you got well, to show them a process and go, now look, mm-hmm. if you do this, now this is mm-hmm. for the days when it gets crazy. So it's like mm-hmm. we'd have to identify, Michael, what what causes it to be crazy. What are the circumstances that create these high stress days and how do Mm -hmm. we get out in front of that? Yeah. Well, I I think a a huge part of it for, for me and a few others within uh, the agency is that we have other people that their work funnels down to us. And that's the part that's very hard to sustain. You know, when you have 15 people and that, that those 15 people, that work trickles down to about three of us. Yeah. That becomes a real problem. And, you know, you were talking about efficiencies. I'm kind of driven by that. And that's the one thing that really adds another level of stress because it's inefficiencies that I see all the time. Yeah. And I go, what's the value add? And that's where I'm constantly battling my internal struggles versus what my experience really is. Yeah. And, you know, just, to tell you something else, I did your self-assessment, and I've done a number of assessments over over the years. Uh, my wife kids me and says, "Well, you've got more self-help books in the house than a library does." But uh, you know, wh- when it came to things about the top talents, it was inspection, instruction, and organization. And organization has always been a very important thing for me. Yeah, you know, so. Well, here's what I think. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be a part of the solution. Now, Mm -hmm. you cannot change the behaviors of your higher-ups. So let me just say, I don't want Mm -hmm. to put that added pressure on you. But to the extent that you can implement some stuff that creates a process and a workflow, and you tell everybody above you, and you Mm -hmm. tell everybody else around you, below you, beside Mm -hmm. you, whatever, you go, okay, listen, I just came up with a process. Mm -hmm. Because you're better at this than probably anybody else in the building. Mm-hmm. And so if yeah. you come up with a process and then show them how it's not going to affect the timeliness one way or the other by very much, but they kind of go, oh, I get it. 
And mm-hmm. there's always the exception to the rule, but it feels like there needs to be more rules for the next 12 months. And this is, yeah. again, this is for you to get in front of this thing and say, mm-hmm. guys, there are certain days, not every day, but there are certain days when it is a house on fire, and I've got mm-hmm. a process now to where it doesn't have to be a house on fire, to where I can serve you better. That feels really good. Now, if, to yeah. the extent that you can come up with that, and I believe you can, that's what I would do. That's what okay. gets you through the next 12 months. Okay. What okay. can you do to implement a process and communicate the process? Because they need you. Yeah. If, if you oh, guys are short-staffed as I think yeah. you are, and yeah. I believe you, that means you got some <laughs> leverage, my friend. Yeah, and yeah. so I would get out in front of this, and if we can remove 10 stressful stressful days out of the month, that would probably mm-hmm. make your life immeasurably better for the next 12 months, which allows you to focus on your future, and mm-hmm. um, you're not stressed out. So I think you have to take control of this. I would try to stick it out knowing what okay. I know now, but yeah. only if you take the bull by the horns and change the processes. Okay. And can I just ask a follow-up question? With respect to that, is it important also set boundaries too? Yes, you know that's part yeah. of it. Okay, so yeah, the yeah. process, the process that you come up with will naturally have boundaries. That's mm-hmm. how that's going to work. The process creates boundaries for you, so that you can be more efficient. Love the call, Michael. You're a good man. You're going to finish well. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.